0: is Crisis Management, Columbus Business First's podcast about managing through the coronavirus pandemic. Things are starting to change in Ohio as the state allows businesses to gradually reopen, albeit under new guidelines. Those plans now include restaurants and bars. In this episode, I talked with Colin Castor, co-owner of Seven Sun Brewing. In addition to being a local business operator, Colin also served on the industry panel that helped develop the reopening guidelines. We talked about the pandemic's impact on his business. While delivery has helped in the last two months, it's no substitute for a full tapper. The economics were only getting tougher and tougher. He explains why he and other colleagues in the craft brew industry were reaching a crossroads. Castor also talked about what reopening will look like for Seven Sun. He shared insights into the Restaurant and Bar Industry Committee, including one issue that the state still isn't quite ready to deal with. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, what's up, Dan? How are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a busy kind of day. <laughs>
0: I believe it. Um, Well, I know you're busy, so we'll 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 get right to it. Wanted to get an update on business because we haven't chatted in a few weeks, and then now that the restaurant restaurant and bar requirements are out, I wanted to chat a little bit more about that. Now that that's public, and and your experience as uh, uh, being part of that group. So, see you wear you wear the mask when you're moving around.
1: Yeah, and probably
0: not when you're giving an interview. Obviously,
1: the way we we've told all employees from. I mean, we've pretty much been doing masks the whole time, but uh, anytime people are kind of in the same room together, I'm not wearing one here because I'm in the rooftop patio area and I'm the only one in 3,000 square feet here. So I feel all right about it. But but we're just trying to show compliance with the staff as much as anyone else. I personally can't. St- I feel like I'm choking when I wear it. Like I, I can't stand it, but I'm just trying to get myself used to it and get through it, you know? So we've gone through almost 2,000 of them now. We got in these. It was kind of the mask that we could find that was that seemed good enough and relatively inexpensive. It's made out of like a t-shirt material and we had some logo stuff printed and we did it as promotion for delivery and carry out. If you get a case of beer, you get a mask with it or you can yeah. buy it separate. And it was super popular and everything. And I finally like, I got in and I tried one on and my face is too big. It just doesn't, they don't even, I think there's a whole world out there of masks that we're all going to discover. Like we have two new kinds coming in that I think will hopefully be like a little more comfortable, but I think everybody's face is different. It's just going to be a, it's going to be a thing for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, We'll we'll end up coming back to that, but I wanted to start with uh, your business. We are about coming up on two months of essentially this shutdown, this limitation uh, that you've gone through. What's, um, what have you been doing in the last two months? I guess, what have you learned? How has business been?
1: We've been doing a lot of, we've been making beer, which is the important thing. Uh, we managed to keep our whole brewery staff employed, uh, Our all of our salary people. We've kept, obviously, some of the front of the house, the bar staff weren't able to stay on, but about half of them we were able to keep as for carryout hours and uh, delivery hours. So that was nice. We found out that a significant portion of our staff would rather be delivery drivers than go back to tending bar. <laughs> uh, they actually like it a lot, which I kind of, I, I, I'm not surprised. I spent during college, I think I spent about three years on and off delivering pizzas and I, even before GPS and cell phones, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it was a fun job. I can see why they like it, but uh, we've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of carry out and delivery. We're keeping our orders going to our distributor superior beverage. So, We're trying to maintain a big focus of this has been, can we maintain and possibly even grow our grocery presence a little bit? We're lucky enough to be one of those breweries that has, that is in the set of Giant Eagle and Kroger's and Whole Foods and things like that. So if we can keep them supplied with beer, that's just been really important to us. We have had PPP. PPP. We're coming up on the tail end of that. About mid-May, it's going to run out for us. We've been doing a lot of uh, modeling about what's that going to look like for the bottom line and and where are we at? And we've come to the conclusion that no matter how you slice it at our, at our present size, we were just never built to be a production brewery. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, pretty much we're super thankful for all the, uh, all the delivery and all the grocery opportunities, but the way it is a, a $2 can of beer to a grocery store which we get roughly half of that by the time it goes through distribution and everything just isn't the same as a $6 pint across the bar. Yeah. It just can't, uh, it doesn't work out quite the same. And uh, at our present state, it's kind of different with the reopening now, And it, but it's so hard to tell what that's going to be like. But if we were to continue as just a kind of production brewery with delivery and carryout, even though delivery and carryout has been such a, a big hit and we're, we're really doing well uh, we would just be losing thousands literally thousands of dollars a week by just being open but it's, it's that important to us to be open and to maintain those grocery and and customer relationships on the carry out and delivery side that we're going to do it as long as we can but it's we we weren't built for this this was never our business model our business model was to be kind of tap room brewery that also did some some production not a production brewery that
0: happened to have a tap room If the state hadn't come up with um, a timeline now as to when places can start reopening and how places can start reopening, how much longer do you think you could have gone before you would have had to say, Hey, we we have to like stop this or, or pause until we have clarity on on reopening?
1: We had a plan to kind of continue at our present levels until the first first couple pay or the first pay period of June. Yeah. Even though it was like a or it is a, a losing money model,
0: yeah.
1: And then kind of assess. We were going to look at some more like salary furloughs, mm-hmm. cuts, and see basically if we could get get people, myself included, to do uh, like two or three. Or, or Well, since we're already doing two jobs with this, I'd say four or five jobs yeah. instead of just, uh, two or three. But that we we're going to kind of look at that and see if we could get to a point where we were some modeling that we did would have us like still losing money, but hopefully down to like just a couple thousand bucks a week. And we could maintain that for a while. It's when you get up to 10 or 15 or, you know, some of those bigger numbers every week, that's when you, you just really can't, no business is really meant to maintain that those kind of losses for an extended period of time. We'll come back
0: to reopening in a minute, but um, the the delivery business that you've been doing for the last, you know, again, almost two months now, Um, has that, has it continued to build? Has it leveled off any? I know initially from talking to you and and, and some other folks, there was a thought that, you know, this first couple of weeks, there was sort of excitement and a a desire to support businesses. So you get this big surge, but now that it's gone on longer, has that maintained, has it grown? What have you seen?
1: You know, actually uh, it's been remarkably consistent. It has stuck around. Uh, We've noticed, we've been kind of doing something. Everybody's got their own kind of twist on it. Like I know Wolf's is doing a really cool thing where you can, you get, they have great food obviously, so you can get your food, but they're also doing a little bit of produce or kind of grocery delivery. So you can get like your coffee and your eggs and whatever produce, whatever else you might kind of look for. So that's kind of their twist. We've been doing a free gift with every case, Our we have a one case minimum for delivery, so a free gift case that you get so we noticed we started off with t-shirts we went to tote bags we did some glassware the the mask thing that we did was actually a huge hit that was actually like a spike in delivery Um, so that was pretty cool to see but yeah this delivery i'm i'm really hoping that i really really hope and our uh delivery staff hopes like i said uh that it sticks around because it's a it's such a nice direct interaction with our customers Mm -hmm. and they get to see really a person who is a part of making the beer uh, to some degree and they get to pick out what they want. They get the absolute freshest beer they can. Um, I just feel like it's a win for everyone. And if they, I hope that people, that people keep doing it. I mean, we're getting some customers who are literally like weekly customers now. And like somebody gets a couple IPAs or a couple hoppy things. Somebody gets a couple seltzers and, uh, and they get a, a t-shirt or a mask or whatever and everybody's
0: happy. So it's yeah. great. And then you you also already touched on uh, grocery a little bit, but how have those sales been in the last um, you know two months? What are you seeing there?
1: So we uh, traditionally we've been about sixty percent draft and forty mm-hmm. percent package. We obviously lost that draft or converted that draft to package just right out of the gate. Overall volume we're down about ten to twenty percent, depending on what kind of time frame you look at but to us that's a big win because that means we managed to capture almost all of that draft volume and turn it into package so we've seen an increase in package it's it's kind of deceptive because a lot of people see like oh highlands are drinking so much and look at how much wine's up and look at how much beer's up and you see those stats but those are like Nielsen stats so those are grocery stats the yeah. and they're only looking at that one channel i think the overall pie people are probably still drinking about the same the same amount it's just that that those things all of those parts of the pie are getting funneled into package right now or
0: into grocery right now is parts of the business start to come back more online do you think you you know the improvements you've had in package do you think some of that will maintain obviously you're pushing more into package out of pure need now but there has been more demand in grocery do you do you, what do you see happening there as, as business starts to reopen
1: our, our grocery buyers and partners and people we talk to on a regular basis we're seeing and even from like comments of customers that come in to kind of come into the inbox and asking about releases we're seeing more kind of excitement about a lot of releases and we've seen in a while which is really really nice to see because people I mean craft beer it's it's pretty easy to be jaded in our current world because there's a there's a million choices and there's things coming out multiple times a week, even from the same brewery, from other breweries. Mm-hmm. So to see people actually kind of like paying attention and like, oh, I heard you have a new collaboration coming up with Little Fish. And I really want to like, like, wow, somebody's listening out there. That's a good sign. So, and that's from a buyer perspective for grocery and from a customer perspective for delivery and everything. So I think it's great.
0: Have you gotten any pushback in any way from the wholesalers or from grocery about your delivery business? Or have they been understanding that? knowing that you, you kind of need this channel as well? They've been
1: understanding to this point, and the law was pretty explicit that we have that right uh, yeah. of the consumer. We actually started shipping, too, through UPS throughout the state. So that that, that was around even before, even before all this started. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they realize it can, the same kind of way that our draft sales help things sell in the grocery store, I hope that they realize the more people – just kind of enjoy craft beer, see craft beer, get an idea about it, the more likely they are to buy it anywhere. I hope that they kind of look at like, hey, your your delivery was a pretty cool add-on for you, and it helped funnel excitement into the grocery channel as well. So I'm, I'm hoping they continue to look at it like that. I can tell you that from every brewery I talk to, we're all kind of uh, feeling the same about how we want, we want this to continue and be a part of what we do. So if there was pushback, I think, breweries would definitely want to fight for their mm-hmm. fight for their to continue it and hope that it
0: continues jumping off that right there you you also are president president of the mm-hmm. okay yeah not that i thought that was the right term um what do you what are you hearing from your members how are they feeling now versus two months ago in terms of business i'm sure there's still a lot of questions there's still a lot of uh, nerves but does do, do people feel better? Is it the same? I guess, what what would you, how would you characterize the, the, the feelings of your members?
1: I know that there was a lot of relief about being able to even get a little bit of that retail channel back, and there's, I feel like it's the same, same for a lot of other people as it was for us. It's just been a time when, when you don't know if there's a light, when the light at the end of the tunnel is going to show up, there's just a lot of anxiety and a lot of a lot of worry about staff. I mean, I kind of alluded to what our some of the some of the modeling and everything else that we were running, and I, and I think for a lot of other breweries, it had to be the same way. Like you hit a certain point and you're like, it would genuinely be better if I just shut my doors and waited until I could come back to to when my when my model actually works uh so i think a lot of people were probably getting pretty close to that point of like you know i i hate to say it but it might be better for me to just stop making beer and wait this thing out until i can come back and have my my patio and my tap room and and things back to normal as much as possible so uh, there's a feeling of relief now there's also i i know i'm I'm pretty anxious for ourselves and for the rest of bars, restaurants, tap rooms specifically around the state about how customers are going to deal with the rules that come out and how operators are going to deal with the rules that come out and safety of staff and safety of customers. And there's, there's a whole new set of worries, but at least there's a little bit of like, little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and there's a little bit of hope that this will ease things up and just I think a lot of us just want to get to we're not even looking at a we want to make money time it's just Mm -hmm. how can we not lose money we just lost our our busiest time of the year because we're so kind of patio based is basically like April May our two busiest months Mm -hmm. Um, and then a little bit later in the summer but we we've kind of written off like okay, we're going to lose our busy season, that's never coming back, but can we just kind of get to a point where we can
0: at least flatline for a little bit? What, and, and I understand you you may still be working through this, but what will reopening be like for Seven Sun? How are you guys going to approach it? How are you going to operate? Obviously, knowing that the, the state has standards, but what that what might that look like at Seven Sun or, or Antiques on High as well?
1: The state has its standards. We in in the working group we talked a lot about doing something that rather than being tied to like an arbitrary number and somebody's just sitting there at the door and clicking and here's 50 people in and that's kind of where your responsibility ends we wanted it to be tied to a floor plan and really kind of an organized like if you come into the place here's here's where we have this group it's it's groups of 10 or less and just everybody have a plan so from a seventh son standpoint we're going to do something we've never had table service we've never had it's always been open seating i'm not going to do table service but we're going to actually have a kind of host position um, and we're going to have an extra bar back running around so the the host position is going to literally be in contacts with the bar backs as far as hey this table's open this space is open for a group and we're going to we're going to seat groups as they come in uh, the bar is going to have most of the seats removed from it and we're going to have spots where you can you and possibly like one or two other people from your group can kind of stand and queue up to to order stuff we're going to have ordering stations at the bar so it's going to be a lot of a kind of of a a cross between an amusement park and a a brewery a lot a lot of waiting in lines and a lot of uh set seating but we're hoping that everybody just kind of rolls with the punches. We're we're doing a combination of taking out tables and moving around tables to try and encourage all the distancing. We're putting up barriers in a couple places, like in the booths at Antiques on High, where that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And initially, I think we're going to try and err on the side of caution in general, in terms of the, the amount of clearance and distances that we use and the also, the I think we might do some limited hours at first, too. We just want to make sure that we're not offending the people who feel like they don't have to wear a mask, and we're not offending people who are offended by the people who feel like they don't have to wear a mask, and we can hopefully get some buy-in from both groups and be really clear with them when they come into either place. Like, whatever your personal opinions are, this whole mess, when you come in here, here's our rules, and you guys need to follow them, and be considerate of, of the people at the next table and in the next
0: place and hope that we can all kind of play well together this is more of a personal question I guess uh, for your business because we know what the what the, the state has decided but did you want firmer guidance on masks no masks for for consumers
1: I can see both sides of it I think I'm more in line with the slightly less firm guidance because uh-huh. the leasing that the operator has to do the more difficult that's going to be at the same time there's the argument well if it is firm guidance then there's no question about it like that that makes sense too i hope there is firm guidance on all employees are wearing masks so hopefully that kind of gets people in the in the habit of it and if they see enough of it they won't feel weird if they're wearing it or maybe they'll even feel weird if they're not wearing it so they will want to get one I know that we're going to have like nice versions available for sale. We'll probably try and find some cheap disposable versions if somebody just forgot their mask, that kind of thing, and have options available for people. It's uh, obviously you can't sit around and drink a beer with a mask on your face. So there's that whole thing too. Um, But we hope that once people are seated with their group six feet apart from other people, then that kind of makes sense. Like take off your mask, have a beer, It's when you're when you're waiting in line, when you're interacting with our staff. Like, try and wear a mask. It makes sense, you know.
0: Yeah, I guess that's how I envisioned it in my head how it might operate. Is that when you're coming in, when you're waiting, when you're moving around, going to the bathroom or something? Maybe that's when you're sat. You know, when you're sitting down to eat or drink, you you obviously can't wear a mask while you're doing that. So. I wanted to come back to um, the space. You mentioned antiques on high and you can put some barriers up. Will that allow you to use all your boots there? Cause you have what, four, four or five boots on the wall, or will those have to be every sat, every other one, even with a barrier? We're going
1: to be able to use the booths that we have there, but we're going to, for instance, uh, uh if you're familiar with the space, we have two long tables in the middle, and those tables we're going to have to get rid of so that we can still queue people up or have people use the bar a little bit. We're, we're taking out a lot of furniture, and then I think we're going to gradually kind of bring it back and see how it makes sense. But it's one of those like, well, let's at least when we start, let's have just a little bit of fr- the bare minimum of furniture, the, the most space we can get out of it, and see how how people react to it, and if they're uh, amenable to it. Another big thing for us at both places that we realized is that we have to, we have a company coming in to put up giant tents over all the patios, Mm -hmm. because uh, since we live in such a kind of rainy state, it's like, hey, what happens if somebody's here like today, for instance, it's not raining now, but it was 20 minutes ago, Mm -hmm. what happens Somebody's drinking a beer out on the patio and all of a sudden it starts to rain and we have 100 people who want to come into our space. Like we we just can't have that. So as much as I'm much more of a patio in the sun guy, we just kind of realized for the next while we're going to have to have tents over everything so that if it starts to rain, people can still be in their spaces and not have to crowd in or not kind of violate those guidelines that come up. Due to due to inclement weather.
0: Switching gears to uh, the committee, we, we touched on it a couple of times. Did you you were part of the uh, uh, the group that helped make recommendations to the state uh, about reopening in the steps that need to be taken. What was that uh, like?
1: Uh, it was a pretty busy, intense group. I think there there's about thirty-ish of us, and then there was six or eight health department officials too who gave great input. And actually, it, it's very much continuing uh, before this call. ORA, Ohio Restaurant Association, set up a webinar where they had about 500 of their members on the call, and we all answered questions and kind of gave an overview of of what we came up with, and then we're going to continue throughout this week to kind of bounce emails and questions back and forth, and then even after the initial patio open happens, kind of share experiences and best practices and everything. ORA is putting out something uh, kind of restaurant promise guide that's like a consumer facing like, here's what the customers should do, here's what the operators should do. We're trying to get that that kind of messaging out there for everyone. In terms of the dynamics of the group itself, there was just a lot of, since Friday, there's probably been one or two Zoom calls almost every day and multiple emails bouncing back and forth about what about this and what about that? And uh, a lot of things that don't really touch my world in terms of buffets, line cooks, private dining spaces, catering facilities I had to kind of become familiar with those so that I could help kind of collate everyone's thoughts and figure out some good middle ground on a lot of these issues or not not even middle ground just good good guidance that can apply to everyone enough so that there's not a ton a ton of questions and the health departments aren't inundated with with just confused customers and there's there's a lot to think about
0: was there anything that came out of the group that maybe the state didn't accept? Said no, this isn't this isn't going to happen, or this isn't going to work, or it's not going to work like this.
1: The, so the state kind of uh, put their foot down about open congregate spaces, okay. which kind of defined as dance floors, gaming areas, uh, like if somebody had like a cornhole set up or. Uh, mm-hmm even, even kind of like billiards pool hall areas, places that don't have defined seating. I think DeWine just kind of said like, hey, I'm not comfortable saying that we can regulate this without, without, without somebody being able to say, there's your actual seat, there's your place. And we, it, 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 it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think kind of the next step, something that came out was there's still the ban on weddings, large, large venue catering right now. The intention of the group is that these same rules that apply about seating plans and things like that that make sense is that those could be applied to venues and weddings and, and larger kind of gatherings. But we understand that it's pretty hard to get there from, from where we're at now or to, or to believe that, that it could be controlled because it's not real clear who would be in charge of policing that in that instance, whether it would be the, the venue operator or the person who booked the event. Or the caterer, or you know. So, with a with a restaurant bar kind of dining establishment situation, it's a little bit more clear. Like if they come into your place, it's obviously on you to uh, to provide the staff and to provide the education that that keeps things under control. But with that, it's a little it's a little more of a gray area. So I think that that was also a, a comfort level for the governor and her staff that they're not ready to go there yet.